Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. Happy day, Hot breath Averse! Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers, and this is our Right 10 podcast, where we highlight members of the Right 10 Club, winners of the Right 10 contest, and much more. If you would like to start writing new jokes and connecting with other motivated comedy writers, this Right 10 Club is the spot for you. Go join our Facebook group. Start getting involved in our daily writing club in both the Facebook group and on our YouTube channel. And if you want to level up your writing even more and possibly win 100 bucks, you can compete in our monthly Write 10 contest. Registration is also linked in the show notes. And I hope to see you there. And now it is time, Write Tenors, to welcome your November contest champ the one and only mr adam mueller ladies and gentlemen let's give him some love right now hey, hey. <laughs> can you hear me okay yeah let me see oh, if oh. i can get uh the overlay going oh oh wait that didn't work let me see if i can bring you in now this is new hold on let's see uh boom and then add left boom it worked Adam, wow. are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm he here. I don't know how here. to turn my green screen on on eCam, so you just have to look at the green. Oh, very pretty. No worries at all. So, yeah, you always do have um a fun backdrop on your contest submissions. <laughs> but I'm not. That's not why he won. He won because he wrote a great set. I'm grateful for my friends, and after eight months of COVID, I really miss some of them, especially the ones that owe me money. Really? Now Aaron has asthma? I find it hard to have gratitude in the moment. It's only after some time to reflect that I'm like, oh yeah, it's a good thing we won World War II. I hate sauerkraut and consonants. I'm grateful that sexuality is a spectrum Turns out it's perfectly normal to be 80% straight and 20% gay porn. My girlfriend has a gratitude journal. Well, actually, it's just a post-it note that says thanks stuck to her vibrator. I'm Canadian and I prefer Canadian Thanksgiving to American, but only because when I'm asked what I'm grateful for, I can just say healthcare or hockey. My first American Thanksgiving, I ate a whole pecan pie. And then I was grateful for Pepto-Bismol. Yeah, by doing something stupid, I created the opportunity to have gratitude. That's like driving home drunk and then being grateful you made it safely. Or leaving your bank card in the ATM machine and then being grateful you're poor. <laughs> or forgetting to pull out and then being grateful it was anal. And I'm grateful for you guys. Thank you so much. I'm Adam Mueller. All right. High five. And Adam, man, it's it's great to officially like meet you face to face too. Oh yeah, likewise. So yeah, you you've been super consistent in here. You know, you're you're basically writing every day with us. Um, what do you think was uh, different about this set? 
Um, oh, I think it was um, gratitude was an interesting one because it's easy. It's it was is it easier one to to write a bunch of material uh, for me like versus mm -hmm. what fear and love were the last two I think. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because it's a more positive spin, being grateful for something versus being afraid. But um, I feel like it, al it allows a lot of room because when you think about it, we should all be grateful for a lot of things. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good answer or not. But um, so this one, I, I managed to write a bunch of stuff early in the week and then I had the rest of the week to kind of pare it down. And then, of course, ironically, like at least a third of the set happened uh, when I was filming. Yeah, that is funny how that happens, right? When yeah. you're actually going through it, it's when you kind of find the finishing touches on it. Yeah, some additional tags. And like I dropped a joke because I was like, ah, it's just not good enough. I'd rather add tags to the other jokes. 90 seconds is a tricky amount of time. It really, I love the challenge. I mean, that's why I do it with y'all. You know, I just love the challenge of trying to write mm. in 90 seconds, you know? Yeah, yeah. What what uh what joke did you find when you were rehearsing? Um, well, the, the being grateful for that we won World War Two. Oh, okay. Um, and it was I was a timing issue. Like I was coming in too long, and so I went through and I was like, okay, so which is my least favorite of the set? And I dropped that, and then it was too short. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I need I need something, and I found a few tags, and then thought of that and put it in. I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. No, it was it hilarious. Because it comes from a place of truth, right? I do think it's very hard to have gratitude in the moment. And then it's just hyperbole by by having it be World War II. Yeah, that is a that's a interesting angle on it. How long have you been doing comedy? Um, oh gosh, about a little over three years. A little over three years. Very nice. Yeah, man. I mean, you're consistently like posting good jokes in the right 10 club every day. So it was only a matter of time. You've been a finalist on here before, but it was only mm. a matter of time before you, you know, you sealed the deal here. <laughs> well, they're great. I mean, it's a great, the, um, after the first one that I did, I went to like a website. I just Googled emotions oh. and made a list and, and had like, have a, like a list of 50. And when I'm writing and I don't know, I don't, I need a prompt. I just go grab one. Cause it is a great way to get your mind going. Oh man. That's a great tip there. You just go look at emotions and then they'll like kind of prompt you to write. Yeah. Yeah. You just Google emotions and there'll be some website that's like, here's the 50 emotions. And I don't, I'm sure there's more than 50 or, or maybe there's less, but what doesn't matter. They're just words. Um, the same way that you have the word of the day in the right 10 club, pick mm -hmm. an emotion as if it was the contest and write a few minutes about it. What? Um, oh, and this is hilarious. Crazy 16 dude actually just shared a $5 super chat <laughs> for, he said, $5, Joel isn't wearing pants, and I am. And then he... <laughs> so it was a bet? <laughs> it, was, it, was a, it was a hypothetical bet that um, oh, Crazy16 wow. Dude followed through on. Well, thank you. Yeah, anyone else that wants to um, lose some money to donate to the show, feel free, because we got to pay Adam. Adam just won 100 bucks, so... And I'm wearing two pairs of pants, so that there'd be <laughs> at least two pairs on the, on the show. So where do you start when you're writing a set... You have gratitude. Okay, what is step one? I just like to free write about it. Aha. Uh -huh. so, so and and I like I'm making lists. Like, what am I grateful for? And there's the obvious things. Um, and then just what does it trigger? And I try to write. I'll, I'll go as long as I can, and then go back to it and see, like, okay, where are the jokes? Um, and I've always hated uh, 
I've always hated the Thanksgiving tradition of having to say what you're grateful for. It's always made me super uncomfortable because I feel like most people are lying. Um, and Mark Norman has one of my favorite Mark Norman jokes. This is when he's at his joke about being at Thanksgiving and saying he's grateful he's not a pedophile, <laughs> which is hysterical to me. So I, so I just think there's just something funny about um, gratitude's a funny thing. So anyway, I just just free write and then figure out what are the what are the strands that were interesting, and then how and then are there uh, when I usually when I go back and read it, there's jokes in there that I didn't realize I'd written, and then it's just ed- then it's just editing and expanding and potentially trying to come up with some tags. So free writing basically, you just write out everything you think of when it comes to gratitude, and it was it's funny how you said interesting. Things not even, they may not be funny yet, but things that are interesting to you are what you go back and start to work on as well. Yeah, like I had lines originally, like, I'm grateful that we only have to say what we're grateful for once a year. Uh-huh. You know, thing, yeah. And then that led to like, um, and then I just thought of gratitude journals. And I had a joke that, I, that didn't make the final cut about what my, like, there'd be no point for me to have a gratitude journal because if I had to write three things down every day that I'm grateful for, it'd be the same three things every day. Um, and then I was, what were those three things going to be? And I had some, I had some, but it just wasn't quite working. Yeah. That's where my mind went. Okay. What are those three things? And it may just be like trying to shoehorn a power of threes in when like there's Mm. a tighter joke, because that's the good part about 90 seconds is it's like, yeah, there's a power of threes here, but that takes up seven seconds. And I just, you just gotta, at some point kill your babies, you know, and that's a big part of the club, the contest. Well, I spent a few, it was, it was an interesting one because it's an opportunity to have a fun little callback um, because it's like having a callback in a 90 minute, in a 90 second uh, set, <laughs> that's like a near impossible thing. Although I think it was, I think Bob pulled it off, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in his set, fun little callback at the end. So that, that I was trying to, I felt like I was, oh, I'm trying to force a callback and that never works well for me. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll just drop that joke because I can't make it work, but I'll still play with that because I think that's a funny it's a funny joke. I just have to figure out what the three things should be. How did you decide to organize your set? Is it do you, do you have all the jokes out first and then you piece them together? Or are you kind of piecing it together as you're writing? Um, it's a little bit of both. Like I knew that when I wrote being grateful for my friends uh, and missing like some of them, um, I knew that was a good opener because it was quick and uh, <laughs> and like surprisingly true. Like. <laughs> Like I miss a lot of people that I haven't seen because we've been, you know, quarantined and locked in and stuff. And it's, you know, it's a little more of a burden to travel and everything. Um, but there's some people it's great not to have to see. So <laughs> to me, that was that. And that was a nice quick joke and a fun way to sort of set up the um, the gratitude theme. Um, and then, you know, for the longest time, the second joke was what I ended up closing on. But I kept thinking, oh, that's the best joke. And it's a fun, it's fun, like three little analogies at the end that should go to the end. Um, and then it was just, what's the order in the middle? And, and I don't know how much it matters in 90 seconds because like the, there's a couple, there's, there's not that many in the way I, the way I think about it, there's not that many jokes in there. So there's only so many permutations of the order. Once you know the first one and the last one. Yes. But it starts with the first and last if for sure. Like those are right. kind of the the tent poles that like, okay, I want to open as quick as possible, which is something you do a great job at and watching all of your contest submissions over the months mm. is you're always great at like that quick. Some people take like mm. 20 seconds to get to a joke. And I'm like, that's almost a third of your set already to get to that laugh. Like we're talking like 
seven to 10 to 15 seconds, like get to that punchline. You, mm. you do a great job of that. Well, I feel like I've always tried to write that way. Um, like I won't keep, when I, when I have an idea for a bit until I get that first laugh, until I figure out what that first laugh is going to be. And it's, you know, less than 10 seconds in, I won't keep going on the joke. Mm. I, I need to get that to work. And then once I get that laugh, then I can keep going. Um, and expand the bit. And I've tried to actually change that because there are some wonderful jokes where the setup is, you know, 20, 25 seconds. Yeah. And then you get to the the fun part. Um, but I think maybe, maybe I just I always felt so nervous about 25 seconds of silence because what if the what if it doesn't land? Mm-hmm. And you've got this black hole that you have to deal with on stage. Where uh, people were commenting about the vibrator joke. How did that one happen? <laughs> That's <laughs> so funny. That was just free writing. I wasn't even really thinking. I was just writing stuff. And uh, mm. I thought about, I was, like, I'd gotten to gratitude journals. I thought like, well, that'd be stupid for me because it's the same three things every day. Um, at one point, by the way, it was like peanut butter, Pornhub and, and pecan pie, which was a callback to the pecan pie, but it felt forced. But, um, and then I just thought like, what would my, like, there's, there's, I hear so many jokes at open mics about uh, men not pleasing women. And I, and I was like, so there, how do, what's an original take on that? Yeah. Um, and what would a woman be grateful? I started thinking, what would other people be grateful for? And I was like, oh, there's some woman, that, like, a, a woman might be grateful for her vibrator. So would she say that in her gratitude journal? And then I, then it was like, oh, but what if the gratitude journal was just a note on the vibrator? So it kind of went that, that was the, how I got there. <laughs> and then I thought that's a funny, that's a fun take on, on that idea that men don't please women in bed. Yeah, that's a really, I think that's a great note for everyone listening or watching live is like, okay, here's a common topic. How can I put my unique spin on it? You know, like really asking yourself, because I'm married. Okay, every married comic does marriage material. How can I put my unique spin on it? And that's great that you put your material through that filter of, here's a common premise, but how can I make it my own? And it really is. Well, like a super original a joke based on this like very common topic is well done. Well, I like to I like to do I mean, I love the right 10 club. I love the idea of of just a word. But and even before I found it, like I have I have various tricks just to get my mind going. They don't always result in something I can that can go into the act. But if I'm doing open mics back and, you know, and I hear the same premise 20 times um, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of. It's you know to the point where oh is that becoming a hack premise then I, then I challenge myself I'm going to sit down for an hour and write and try to write an original take on something I keep hearing and then see if just again and again I, often it's not going to go anywhere but it's going to get my mind going um, or to take the opposite view of something yeah and that's the fun thing with these emotions is another way to write a gratitude joke is to think what am I not at all grateful for. And That's take what the I opposite explored side. too when I was writing gratitude is like thinking what I'm grateful for and what I'm not grateful for and maybe finding parallels between them and things like that mm. is what I explored. Mine ended up just being a love a love letter to cereal. <laughs> <laughs> That's what mine mine turned into we I, I showed my wife that one and she was like, Wait, she's like, You don't talk to me like this. <laughs> it's like how I was talking about cereal. She's like, You were really into it. She didn't laugh at all, but she was impressed with how committed I was to the bit, I guess. But that's so fun. I, I watched it and it was so much fun because it's like um, no one would think of that. Like oh no one God. at Thanksgiving, when they're asked the question, says, oh, I'm grateful for cereal. <laughs> and then for you to spend 90 seconds convincing us that you are, in fact, grateful for cereal. 
like it's such a fun approach to comedy. I mean, it's um, it's kind of what like Bill Burr does, except on a on a on a lighter topic, right? Oh, thank you. You're taking something that no one's thought of in a way no one's thought about it, and then having them be like, "Well, I might not agree with you, but I understand your logic." Yeah, yeah, he yeah, he's great at like making a statement, and you're like, "What?" And then he like completely right. defends it and like changes your opinion, and you're like, "Wait, what just happened?" But what a fun and what a fun thing to do with something as like um, I don't know if basic's the right word, but ba as basic as cereal. Yeah, that's like, true. Yeah, yeah, and I am obsessed with cereal. Yeah, it is. It is my deal. Well, especially in an era where we're like we're told we're not supposed to eat it anymore. Well, because it's sugar soup. It's sugar soup. You're not supposed to have milk anymore. You're not supposed to have carbs. You're not supposed to have cereal. Even in quarantine. So that's now it's all. like a treat. Now it's like a dessert. It is for breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. But that is, yeah, that was, um, I, what I just love is how we leapt from, yeah, I did a set about how much I love cereal to like, yeah, I am Bill Burr. Yeah, that's right. Comics yeah. take note when you can. Oh, write I, I was definitely cereal. pandering to the host today. <laughs> <laughs> you already won, Adam. You don't have to pander. You already won. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, everyone making comments on the video I posted of like, great job, Joel. No one's like, what is the, what? What is, you need to go to therapy about this. Hilarious. Yay, I think those are the jokes I like the best though. Something that I would never think about. Yeah. And then, and, then the, and then in a funny way, like I'm laughing and I'm thinking about something I wouldn't have considered. I, that's why I like the emotional themes of the contest are because it forces you to think outside the box and think within yourself is how I feel mm. about it. Like the right 10 club, it's a random word. Okay. Let's use that as a jumping off point. But an emotion is like a very grounded place to start writing material from, which I guess is why you even said to generate new ideas, you'll just look at emotions and then see what you can write about based on an emotion. Well, I feel like emotions are a good way too to start more personal. Yes. Because it's like you, everyone has experienced every emotion at some point, unless you're a socio sociopath or something. But um, so you you have per yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh boy, um, and but you have some personal experience with it. You know, I'm sorry, I cut oh. you off there. Oh, okay, um, everyone has ex personal experience with feeling emotions, so it makes yes. it, it it is as you said, it's a little more grounded or yeah. easier to start in a place that's personal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I'm sorry, Christopher, this was just a joke. I felt, but Christopher's new to the group, and now we're like, right, Christopher? But his gratitude was being grateful he looks creepy. Like, what another so funny. incredible, unique angle, you know? It's like, and all three of you had such unique angles on the theme of gratitude. And um, I think that's why the voting was so tight, because you all executed it just so well. Um I wanted to say I'm grateful for being a straight white guy, but I didn't want to get canceled. Hilarious. Yeah, we don't need that in hot not breath. Just, We're just now getting a buzz going. You're like, yeah. about all that was just a joke. Things? That's not I was that's not a true thing. <laughs> no. No, two two straight white men on a show together, like, right, right? No. We're we're some of the good ones. We're allies. Well, that's here. why I, I I think my favorite joke of my set was the 80% straight joke. Which was oh, another one that yeah. came in right that that was another one that came right at the end, just because it, it to me there's like some nuance to that, but yeah, and it's it is like in twenty percent gay porn, like there's a timing involved with it as well. Like when you how did you 
even develop that joke? Was that through um, the uh, free writing as well? Yeah, a little bit. Because I was thinking, like, what would other people be grateful for? And somehow I thought of, like, there's probably a lot of people that are very that are grateful that, like, society is migrating to this view that sexuality is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, how would that apply? How could I apply that? How do, Am I grateful for that? How does that apply to me? Um, and there was a couple different versions of it. Like, just the idea that, like... Um, Oh, I used to think I was a pervert. Now I now I just realize I'm normal or, you know, some various iterations of that. And then I ended up on the, oh, it's totally normal. I'm grateful that you can be 80% this and 20% that, and it's not weird. Wow. What I'm really picking up on here with your writing process is that you really look for how you have your own unique take on it. Like you're really mm. always looking for, okay, what is Adam's point of view on this that no one else would have? Yeah, I try. I think I, mm-hmm. I, I probably, uh, I mean, there's probably five or six minutes of stuff that you, and you saw 90 seconds. So there was a lot of garbage I wrote as well, um, as there always is when you're, when you're writing jokes. But um, exactly. I've tried to come up with like a list of stuff to like go over a joke, to be like, is this joke good enough to do on stage? And it's like, is it personal? Does it have a unique point of view? Is that point of view consistent with all my other stuff? Because occasionally I'll write jokes that I love and I'm like, yeah, I can't do that. that that's too, it's not how the rest of the material works. So mm-hmm. it's funny, but it's not, you know, put it on the shelf um, or give it to someone, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, cause know. it's, yeah, you never, or, or you'll change over time. So just put it in a folder and save it. You never know. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's also like, and maybe not deleting a joke, but just putting it to the side for uh, your future self to enjoy and find a new angle on. Sometimes you just write beyond your means, if that makes sense. Or something's like a placeholder. Like I try to be clean and I ended this set with a pretty dirty image for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure I would tell that joke as I set it on the set on stage. Um, But I had an alternative version that ended with, um, and you're grateful to blow up doll. I don't know if you remember the joke. Uh, You forget to pull out but then you're grateful it's a blow up doll. Um, yeah. Which is a little bit cleaner, but still a pretty uh, interesting. Still there. <laughs> that's why I was pausing. I was like, that's still there. That, <laughs> that's but I, still but I'll do, so that happens to me a lot when I'm free writing. The, the first version is a little too dirty. Yeah. But then if it gets a laugh, I'll do, I'll still do it on an open mic. And if it gets a laugh, then I'll start trying to find, I'll know that a turn or a twist at that moment can create a laugh. And then what's the clean one? Yep. And that just takes a lot longer to find because it's not that, because you lose the shock but you still have an opportunity to surprise people and get the laugh. So some of my best jokes have been like that, where it started dirty. And then it took months and months to find the right clean version of the punchline. Yeah. How, how do you transform a, a joke? Because I always, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I want to be a clean comic as well. You know, yeah. I mean, I am a clean comic, but I will, even in working out material in open mics, I may swear on stage and things like that, yeah. or the jokes may start out as dirty, but, and then they evolve over time. What is your process to like, I have a joke that's dirty, but I want to make it clean. How do you do that? I mean, I'll, 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 I don't really swear even when it's a dirty joke. For me, the dirtiness is more of the content mm-hmm. and the, it, like the imagery it evokes, not the, um, not the words. But I'll do it on open mics and, and, and figure out, okay, so there is a laugh there. And then I'll try to figure out, is the laugh just because I've, sh- I've said something shocking? Or is it just the turn... And then I'll then I'll just keep doing it while I substitute in clean versions until something seems to hit. Um, mm. 
and then and then you kind of lock then i'll sort of lock in on it and often the clean version then um allows you to to then keep going and mine the bit for more more tags or more more angles because now it's clean yes whereas if when you hit that shocking punchline and it's dirty i feel like that's the end of the joke it's hard to then keep going because you if you keep going you've got to elevate the uh the the shock value what what makes you want to be a clean comic um oh i um I don't really, I never really swore that much in, in my regular day-to-day conversations. So that, that wasn't, it's not like I have to concentrate not to drop the F-bomb or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I started comedy like later in life than most people, age-wise, right? And so to me, there's a lot of calculation about um, I have to get better fast. And I have to have as many opportunities as, as I can. And everyone that I've spoken to would rather have a clean comic open for them. Um. Yep. And having followed a few dirty people, like I, I was once at a, at a club and a guy did like 10 minutes about his dick and just murdered, right? And then I go on, <laughs> murdered. And then I walked on, and I'm like, I'm Canadian, I'm polite. And it was like, this is not gonna go well. Um, so I learned like, ah, it's really hard to follow. So I actually have, I have now like a, a couple minutes of stuff that I, that I would do up top if that happened again. That is a little more, a little dirtier. Like yeah. when it's, you know, the 1 a.m. show at the at the club and everyone's drunk, you might have to adjust a bit. Um, yeah. Put on some. But generally. Levels. Yeah. But generally, like I want I, I always I felt like my reputation as a comic as I started just doing this. I want to be known as like a good writer um, because there's opportunities in writing beyond simply doing stand up. Although my, my goal is stand up, but uh, yeah. I want to be known as a good writer and clean. And that, that creates the biggest opportunity set. Um, although I love dirty comedy, like I love a good, sure. I love it. Um, and some of my favorite comics are definitely are not clean. Um, but it's just, a, it's, it's a bit of a, and I'll still free write dirty stuff all the time and just put it on the shelf, but it's a, I guess a strategic decision and a challenge to try to write the clean stuff. Yep. I totally agree. I, by no means tell people they should be clean. That's a personal preference. In my opinion, I love dirty comics. You know, mm-hmm. if it's funny, that's all I care about. It could be mm. the dirtiest joke if it's funny. Funny first. I, like a lot of comics try to jump the funny part just right. for the sake of like dirty. There's a, still a craft within writing dirty material. There's still writing that needs to be done. But yeah, it's just personal preference for me that I want to be clean because when I started, it was like, oh, there's mm. more work if you're clean. You can, you can go perform at that company holiday party. Right. You can go to this random family reunion or birthday party. Like there's just, there's just more work. I mean, it's economics of if you can entertain more people, then they will, more people will want to hire you type right. deal. I mean, that's, but do what you want also, in this game. Yeah. There's also something really fun about tackling a dark topic and, and without saying certain words for sure and kind of getting away with it. Um, and also making people laugh at something like I have some, some of my favorite jokes are, because it's the the broader point being that clean can mean different things in different places to different people. So you really have to yeah. be, you really have to understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just don't swear. Sometimes it's like topics or certain topics um, are off limits. Yep. And I, I'll write about, I guess, qu- controversial or triggering topics sometimes, but I still won't swear. And then there's certain words I won't say, but I'll still talk about it. Like there's nothing like a Holocaust joke where you don't say Holocaust. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do it's, like um, the challenge of it. Yeah, the yeah, the challenge of writing around a dirty topic. Especially if it's personal. Like I, yes. I have I have a lot of Jewish relatives and some of them were in Europe when World War II started. And I have a joke about that that is just it's literally just family facts strung together in a certain way. Um, and I never say the H word, but that's what's going on. Fun. And um, and you know, usually does pretty well. Oh, Amanda's asking, um, you mentioned you started comedy later than most. What made you switch into comedy? And was it hard to get into comedy as a second career? Oh, it's a great question. Um, like, ask me in five years, I think is probably the... Um, what made me do it is... Uh, I don't know, because like, it's not like... I, um, I was working in finance for a long time. And then one of the jobs ended. They, like, the company closed the whole business down. Mm. Um, so I was like, what do I, and while I was looking for another job, I took a screenwriting class and a standup class and it was, you know, standard standup class in New York, right? Once a week for six weeks. And then you have a, basically a bringer show at the end and it's fun. Um, and a very friendly supportive crowd. And then I just kept going. Um, and it wasn't, and my view was, this was fun. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to stop looking for a job and I'm going to do this for six months. I'm not even going to, because the one thing I realized really quickly is it takes a long time and it's really hard. And, and for a while, for a while you suck. Yes. So I was like, I'm not even going to think about how bad I am. I'm just going to go as hard as I can for six months. And at six months, Mark, I'll be like, okay, I'm still going to suck, but is there potential? And that was, and then at the end of six months, I gave myself another six months and did the same thing. Um, and I went like full speed. Like I went from zero, like a class once a week to 70, 80 mics a month. Great. Um, and writing every day. And then after like six months and then another six months, I was like, huh, like people are starting to laugh. Maybe I should, I'll give it another three months. Um, and then eventually I stopped assessing it on a, you know, quarterly basis and said, right. this is just what I'm, this is what I'm going to do until I run out of money. Whoa. So that's how deep into it now you're like, I'm just going to do this until something happens. Or until I'm home. Yeah, like when I when I sort of stopped looking for the job and started just doing comedy, like my view was um, this is now the job. I just don't get paid for it. So it's it's and a job is, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours a day. And you and the job is writing and then performing. Um, and, you know, social media and the sort of admin stuff you got to do. Um, and uh, I'll go until I can't anymore. And just see and hope something good happens before I am living on the street destitute in a cardboard box. And that, that is something people don't realize in pursuing comedy is the job of comedy. It's not getting drunk at open mics, hanging out with people, the job of comedy. Like you said, the admin work and things like that. Like what is, what is like the job of comedy to you? Like what is kind of like your routine to like have a framework of round comedy that makes it a job? Well, it's like, it's the same way, like at a job, I would have a list of things. This is what I need to accomplish today. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I don't, comedy is no different to me. Like it could be like, um, you know, you update your, like always know what your, your type five, eight, 15 and 30 would be, um, block like working on, like working on a different block of material. Cause I, I, or I'm, I mean, I'm a former finance guy. Right. So that shouldn't surprise anyone that every joke I have is in an Excel spreadsheet. Right. That's who I am. <laughs> Um, and there's jokes about, there's jokes about loving, like being good in Excel. I dream in Excel spreadsheets sometimes. Um, Hilarious. so just keep like keeping all that stuff, keeping everything I've written organized. Um, 
so that I don't lose something, knowing what I want to focus on. Like the same way that for a week I focused on gratitude, right? Like there'll be spots in a set where I'm like, I, I really need a joke here about Saskatchewan or something. So I'm going to spend a week, I'm going to spend half an hour every day for a week, right? Free writing about that and see if I can find a joke. Cause a joke about that would be perfect right in this spot in the set and doing things and having like a, just a list of sort of tasks like that to, um, to always be kind of moving forward. Like, uh, and putting the time in, I'm actually not, I don't concern myself that much with, did I write, did I write a new joke today? That's funny. That's going to work. I, I, I concern myself is did I put the time in today? Cause mm. if I do that every day over time, there'll be new jokes and I will get better. Um, yep. and I have different ways that like, I, sometimes I'll, I have a mic and an amp in the, in the apartment here. And sometimes I will be, I'll be running back and forth from the computer and the notepad to the mic. Cause you write something, then you pretend to do it 10 times. And you find like the cadence and like, oh, that's where the comma should be. Or there should be some tags here. And then I'll, I'll write 10 tags, pick the top three, and then do them tonight on a, on a Zoom mic, I guess is what it would be now. But um, Yeah, and that actually like ties that. into trying the new jokes of like mm. Robert Huell asking any tips on the process of trying new material at clubs and building a full set. Ooh. Um, I like to... Uh, I definitely like to work on something that open mics a lot before I would take it in front of a real audience. Mm -hmm. um, keep in mind that like a lot of the open mics in New York before COVID, it, there's not a lot of real audience in the open mics. So you are trying stuff in front of comics. I know it's different in different parts of, of, of the country. But um, I also, I timestamp every joke when I wrote it. And then when I make major changes to it, I put the month and the year. Um, so most of the jokes that make the act, if I was, you know, um, I can see, oh, like I've, this is, this has been, I've been working on this for 18 months and now it's good enough to say in front of people, but there are still times on different shows when, when the stakes are lower, where, what, are, what do you call it? Like a, you sandwich in the middle, the new stuff. And yeah. it just depends on how much time you have. It's hard when you only get five, eight minute, 10 minute spots to do too much new stuff in the middle, but you can always throw in, if you're doing eight to 10, you can have two minutes of new in the middle. Yeah. Um, Especially if, and, and especially if the new is the new like, did you write it this morning or is the new I've been working on it for three months and now I got to try it in front of people. Or I've been working on it at Mike's, but um, I think you can get a decent. I think the first thing I tried to learn was how to um, interpret the reaction at an open mic and map it to what real people might think. Because some jokes kill an open mic, but immediately you just have this intuition over time like, oh, that won't work, though. Mm hmm. Comics like that because of this, I'm not sure that will work with a, a regular audience um, and vice versa. Sometimes things just never work at an open mic in front of comics, but you're like, I kind of think real people will like this. That intuition, but also tracking it. Yeah, that's what I'll do is create a set list and then go back and listen and then brainstorm ideas on that set list. It's not in a spreadsheet, but I do have like a notebook somewhere but i do have like a notebook i'll carry around and then make notes after the show mm. by that set list and just kind of keep track of it that way that's that's how i do it but i think sandwiching a new joke in between jokes you know works even in a five minute set if you just try one new joke in the middle of that set it's a safe space if that joke mm. bombs you can bounce back with better jokes after also try to really listen to the other comics like, yeah, because that helps you build that intuition as you've seen other whether if you're at an open mic, li listen to what the other comics are doing. Try to figure out what's new and what's been they've been working on and what people are laughing at. Yes. And at, uh, you know, 
New York's great because as a comic, most of the clubs, with the exception of, you know, you can't do it at the cellar or like at Gotham if it's a headliner show and it's sold out or something. But if you say you're a comic and there's room, you can often just go sit in the back. And so watch a, watch a pro and try to identify the chunk in the middle that's new. And then think about, wow, that new stuff, you could tell it was different, um, but it was still so funny already. And how are they, how are they working on it? You know, the, um, I try to do that. To me, that's part of the job too. Studying, right? Studying. Yes. That's the thing. Uh, Lunell said when we interviewed her was the number one thing new comics aren't doing nowadays is studying other comics period. Like yeah. when I, when I was starting out here in Atlanta, open mics all through the week. And then the weekends were usually more showcases and stuff. So if I wasn't on a show, I was in a comedy club studying the headliner. Mm. And if, um, most scenes, if you're a comic, they'll let you in the shows for free. Yeah. Um, as well. So keep that in mind when you're, when you're approaching your local comedy club, but like I would be at a club every weekend studying the headliner, trying to talk to them after if possible. Uh, and this was before the podcast, mm. this was me just an open micer, like wanting to learn as much as possible. And part of that is studying for sure. Well, I transcribe a lot as well. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. I, I I don't do it as much every now I'll still do it. But for a while, like every day I would try to transcribe a late night set because, because, hmm. um, seeing what I seeing what it looked like on paper, since I'm writing a lot of my first stuff on paper and you got the other, in, the intuition of like, how does paper translate to spoken word, which is another reason you got to say it out loud as you're writing, but, um, take someone you love one of the a great late night set and write it out word for word and see what it looks like on paper. I did a lot of that. And then highlight where the laughs are. And I could look at it and be like, oh, wow, there's like, and I would, I would go through and I'd calculate the time. Be like, yeah. wow, this, this set got like a laugh every 7.6 seconds for five minutes. Yeah. How did they do, how did they do that? And it's like, oh, it's because there's a, a great premise and then eight tags or whatever it happens to be. And you're like, okay, that's, to me, that was a part of my own kind of self-education on how do you write jokes? Yeah. And I would even, this is so comedy nerdy. But I actually got one of these counters. I would, yeah, yeah. I would I would sit at I was sitting in an open mic and just and I would watch specials and do this as well, watch my own material. But I would sit here and just like count mm. the laughs they were getting, and I would I was timing their set as well, so I could calculate their LPMs in real time. Um, <laughs> that's just the I, think, I feel like we're I feel like we're trying to out nerd each other. It's awesome. <laughs> here's here's one that I used to do. Um, I, I would, I would transcribe my own sets uh -huh. and then I would calculate how many words I would, I said per second. Whoa. And over a couple years of doing that, I figured out like what my optimum like speed would be if I'm doing well. <laughs> and so then I could go in and be like, I could write a set list out and be like, okay, I say about 1.8 words a second. This is, uh, you know, 600 words. So it's a five minute set. My gosh, I love we're talking about this like we're Matt Damon <laughs> in Goodwill Hunting. We're like a math genius on yeah. the chalkboard, but and, that's, it's and, very uh, it's very important. I mean, there's there's a lot of information in the data if you like can analyze your comedy. It's 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 important and the most overlooked part, like reviewing your sets. Writing is fun. Performing is fun. Reviewing is probably the hardest part of all because then that's just ultimate justice of like. Okay, my delusions said it was great, but what's the reality? Mm. And my delusions also tell me I completely bombed, 
And then you listen back and it's never as bad as you think it is. I feel like, yeah, I feel like comedy, I feel like it's a rule for life for most things, um, comedy and COVID. It's never as bad as you think, but it's never as good as you think either. So keep, you got, you got to keep that in mind. But um, well, now it's funny transcribing your own set and then highlighting the laughs and you see right away from the highlighting, oh, there was a big gap there. Mm -hmm. did, did something miss or is there just, is that setup just way too long? Um, I also write my jokes. I don't write, I write them like poems, like word for word, mm -hmm. but with one thought per line, not like a paragraph form. Cause I find it easier to find all the extra fat that way. So they yeah. look, they look very funny on paper, but it, to me, I just, uh, early on someone suggested that. And I tried it when I was transcribing something, I was like, Oh, it's so much easier to read this way. Yeah. I'll, um, if I transcribe, I'll bold and underline where the laughs are. And then I can start to see in like the, the form, how far mm. away the laughs are from each other, from like a visual standpoint, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if you can, can you see that? Can you read that? Let's Probably see. Can't. Um, bring it in front of your face. There we go. Yeah. What's so you can see like, uh, it's hard to read. There's, there looks like a poem. There's timestamps of when it was edited. And I, um, I've used Jerry Corley's, uh, like types of laughs and I, yeah. every joke, like the biggest laugh in it, I will label what kind of laugh it is huh. using. So, and, and it happened because early on I did like a five minute set and it went great for two minutes. And then I bombed for three minutes. And afterwards someone came up to me and said, Hey, you realize that every single joke was just a misdirect. Right. And people just started guessing and stopped like, you can't do that for the whole thing. You need variety. Huh. And I was like, oh, that's a good point. <laughs> well, we got two questions here, and then we'll uh, land this plane. Um, yeah. The first one, Hewlin, um, what would you have done if anything? Oh, wait. What would you have done if anything starting out in your first year? Or any recommendations with another possible lockdown afoot? Uh, oh, oh, interesting. So when the when the lockdown happened, I think my last set was like uh, the 11th of March. And then I had one the 16th that only two people bought tickets because everyone was getting scared and it got canceled. Um, and I, I immediately just embraced Zoom and said, my goal for the lockdown, however long it is, is just to be better when it ends than when it started. Yeah. Um, and that's a very vague, amorphous concept. But I feel like that was really motivating because then I had to figure out how. So it's okay, write every day, embrace Zoom. Um, it's not, you know, a lot of, some people, especially initially were like, oh, I just, I wanna be on stage in front of real people. I don't wanna do Zoom. I'm like, well, if it's all we've got, find a way to make your jokes better by using it. Yep. Um, and the more, you know, it's hard to get, I, I feel like I can't quite get a joke on Zoom to where I'm totally confident it'll work on stage. But if I get it 80% of the way there and I have all this material that's close, then when I get, regular stage time again it's much faster to figure out which of that material makes it mm -hmm. um so and just a ton of writing and, and editing and organizing like if you're not if you don't have all your jokes in like some sort of database is a bit of a geeky word but some way where you know what you've got it's a great time to do that all the little things that you don't that you don't do because you're running to another mic or running to a show um and watch a shit ton of stuff mm-hmm um, I, it's funny when I hear jokes and I'm like, oh, that's, um, a set, that's a Mitch Hedberg joke or that's a Mark Norman joke. And it's like, people just, 
I think some people don't like watching comedy because they're worried it will subconsciously color what they write about. They don't want to accidentally steal something. Um, yeah, but you're, you're, you, you accidentally steal more by not knowing what the pros are talking about. Mm -hmm. And that's just my view. Like I, I, you know, people have different approaches to that, but I find listening to comics and mixing it up. Like, don't, if you just, if all you do is listen to Bill Burr for six months, be careful. You'll start sounding like, like, for them. sure. For so, sure. But if you watch a variety of stuff, that's not a risk. Yeah. I've been guilty of that as well of watching. And actually Mitch Hedberg and Bill Burr are two examples of comics. I have been guilty of sounding like if I listen to them too much, I'll, and it's not like no one ever, no one called me out on it or anything, but like I felt myself on stage like, wait, I'm, this feels like a bill. Like as I'm doing the show, mm. I'm like, this feels like a Bill Burr cadence right now. And then I realized, Oh, I've been listening to him for the past two weeks straight and it just, it's natural. That's why it's so important to listen to your own sets as well, because mm. you will start to find your own voice in listening to you perform as well, but it is important to study others as well. And also, yeah, to, that's a great point though. Like self-reflect on who you are as a comic. Yeah. Like someone, someone, I, I, someone told me like April or something. I was just, you know, one of the other great things to do during this time period is just create your little, like write 10 is a great thing every day, but also on a smaller level, create your little group of three to four people that you bounce ideas off of and talk to and run jokes yeah. by. And someone pointed out to me that like they thought my stage persona in a nutshell was like, you try to do the right thing and then it goes wrong at some point. Uh, and I was like, oh man. And then I started using that filter to go through all of my jokes and it really, really helped. That's great. Think about like, what if you didn't have a punchline or like, oh, that no wonder that joke doesn't work. It doesn't fit the point of view that everything else kind of fits. Oh, that's so awesome. Wow. What a breakthrough right. in self-awareness. Oh, that was that when they said that, I was just like, oh, yeah, all my best <laughs> jokes. That. Yeah. That. yeah, that's true. I love um, that. So trying that to figure that out, voice, how you can do that. I feel like you're going to find more and more ways to weave that into your sets, like as you develop in your voice, because I do see that, like how you end it. All right. Like, it's kind of like how Bob, um, when he talked about it in his set, he's like, those are my friends that are still alive. Like how he just. And in, in Bob's earlier set, there was a lot of that. And then now mm. it's cool to see Bob starting to find moments to go there with it, but use it as an ingredient and not the entire recipe. Mm. And that's what's been the thrill of seeing people doing the contest every month and them starting to find not only writing, but their voices within having to develop these sets. And I feel like you have like, you not only your writing is great, but your voice is great. And I find the more okay. you start to use that as a tool organically, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just saying, I do see that being another part of your uh, toolbox. That's going to help you develop faster. Like you were talking about doing. Oh, by the way, I should have said this up top, but I thought Chris and Bob sets were fantastic and the voting was so tight. Any, the, was. any of us could have been on, on this interview. So I'm great. I'm grateful. <laughs> To be here and to be interviewed, but also like, wow, what a what a tight contest. And I'm also very lucky that I squeaked it out. So great, great stuff. And also three white guys, but each set and each kind of persona was so different that they were so fun to watch. Yeah. And listen, my when I watch these with my wife, she is looking for diversity. She's like, mm. but you know, I mean, like she doesn't like say they're less funny, but put them on because they're diverse. Mm. But she is always looking for like, how can we elevate other people? And I was like, this is 
three white men, but at the end of the day, these were the sets that really just um, really killed the most. But everyone did great. This was probably our most personal right 10 contest I would see. Like, we're watching somewhere like, Ooh. I can't believe they're saying this out loud, like, type deal. Um, which is the whole goal here is we're getting into personal material. And Trent, Trent said, uh, who's one of the judges in uh, the contest, that uh, I've been listening to this interview for 15 minutes, and there's at least two comedy books of information here. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> he, he said that, but what, has the money come in? Yeah, where's the super chat on those books? Where's the Ooh. super chat, Trent? Come on, we got a come finance on. guy on the show now. We got <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> well, that was the thing, Zarna. It's funny, you start later in life, Ooh. and you're like, I got to get better faster. And like Zarna, when we had Zarna Garg on here, she was talking about, um, you know, she started later in life. She needs to get better yep. faster. And she was blown away at like all the free things happening here at hot breath. She was like, wait, you do right. 10 club for free. She's like, what? Cause like in her mindset is it's like, oh no, we got to hit the ground running. I don't have time to like pay dues and figure it out. It's like, no, this is, if I want this to be my job. It needs to be a job now. So when she saw the yeah. free stuff here, she's like, Joe, what are you? What's happening right now? And I'm like, I'm just a comic that likes the help. I don't know what you want from me. Yeah, I know, I know Zarna pretty well. I, I think <laughs> She's we, were, I, um, we were probably at some of the same like first open mics That's together. So cool. um, and she's great. I mean, I, I was similar in this, not in this monetization sense, but in the sense like I need to, if I suck at this, I need to figure it out as quickly as possible so I don't waste too much time. Because mm-hmm. uh, at some point, the, you know, at some point you need to, pay for your apartment and food and stuff. Yep. Um, or, yeah. Our family, you know, I have my wife out there who likes to remind yeah. me. <laughs> I mean, winning this contest, this will feed me for like six months. Dude, this is a big breakthrough. This is the hot yes. breath bump right here. Oh, I'm looking forward. I, I, I can't even wait. I, I, I assume by the end of this interview, I'll have another million Twitter followers. For sure. Yeah. This I is the late, this is the new late night credit. It's not even, did you see Adam's Conan? It's like, did you see Adam's hot breath? No. Hey, and let's do the final question here is um, from Robin, our fearless leader, Robin here, um, asking, what's the best piece of advice you ever got in comedy? Oh, um, I think the best piece of advice I've gotten um, is, uh, is just worry focus on getting funnier and tune out everything else. Um, Cause there's so much stuff that you see about other people getting things or things are happening and you're not even being considered and this and that. And uh, just keep getting funnier because the reality is uh, you need to be undeniably funny. Mm. Like every, every contest I've ever been in where I was like, I thought I should have moved on to the next round or I thought, and I didn't, or um, I thought I should have gotten this audition and I didn't. I would be like, or I didn't got an audition and it didn't work out. I was like, okay, I thought I did well, but was I undeniable? And the answer is always, no, I wasn't. And to me, that's just a motivation to go home, write some more jokes, keep working, um, and, and just try to tune all that stuff out. And next time you get the audition, be funnier. You might not be funny enough yet, but just be funnier. And eventually, it'll all work out if it's supposed to. But uh, all that other stuff is just a distraction and it's a way to spend time when you're not writing. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.